So about 20 minutes ago, my producer, Matt Marchese, I'm having a phone call with him, having a conversation. What are we doing on the show? What do we like about last night? What do we want to talk about today? And he says to me, there's the, uh, the guarantee. And I said, what's the guarantee? He says, there's the guarantees in life. There is dex- death, taxes, and Leon Dreisaitl lights up the Nashville Predators. We saw it again last night, five points for Leon, where once again, the Connor McDavid-Leon Dreisaitl show is still the must Watch event in hockey, period. Tri-Saddle with a casual five points. Uh, Connor McDavid with a casual four points. And the Edmontoners are on to a win. And all of a sudden now the Nashville Predators are at 500. And we and they've just lost Holvenin to Seattle. So we wonder, so we wonder. Uh, we'll get into that in a couple of moments with Elliot Friedman. Going to get into a couple of things about Bo Horvat. Uh, with Elliot Friedman go into his uh, statement yesterday and what's next for that player and that team. But I do want to spend a couple of moments here talking about a team that I really hope doesn't mess this up. Now, in this capacity, uh, you're not supposed to have favorite teams, and I, I really don't. And somewhere along the way, I, I stopped caring who wins and loses. This probably would have been in my, my early 20s when I was at university. You just stop caring who wins and loses and just want to see a really good hockey game, and you cheer for stories, and you cheer for people. But there's one team, and it has everything to do with me growing up in southwestern Ontario, that in the back of my mind, I am still, as unprofessional as it may be, rooting for. And that's the Buffalo Sabres. Now, I can recall as a, as a young kid watching, you know, Hockey Night in Canada, and it was, you know, generally the Maple Leafs game uh, on. So you've got a steady diet of Sittler and McDonald and Salming and Palmatier, etc. Uh, but watch a lot of Buffalo Sabres games. It came in on WGR and the voice of Ted Darling, who I'll always, with all due respect, RJ, consider the voice of the Buffalo Sabres. And I remember watching, you know, the French Connection, etc. with my mom and dad, midweek games, weekend games, all of it. And on, you know, the uh, the rare occurrence, actually getting to go to the odd, which was a great facility. Well, it wasn't great, but it was it was it was charming, it had its own mystique about it. Um, wasn't beautiful by any stretch of the imagination, but it was cool. It was different. It was smaller. It was intimate. The, um, the stands weren't laid back. The stands were more straight up, so you were looking straight down on the action. And we all know how the Buffalo Sabres have screwed things up in the past. We've seen it. We've watched it. We've seen franchise players come and go. We've seen teams rise and fall. We've seen teams get close only to be felled by a, a, a skate in the crease. We've seen Hall of Fame players go through Buffalo. We've seen Jack Eichel go through. We've seen Ryan O'Reilly go through. And right now we're in this Tage Thompson, Rasmus Dahlin era of the Buffalo Sabres. And I keep saying to myself, please, please, please don't screw this up. 6 nothing yesterday to defeat the Los Angeles Kings in a very bizarre game because first two periods, it's bagels. 0-0 going into the third and then the floodgates are open. Tage Thompson with a pair of goals is 22nd and 23rd and if you haven't had a chance yet to see the J.J. Paterka goal and the give and go with Jack Quinn, do yourself a favor and by the way, get used to the name J.J. Paterka. Um, we all know that owners have favorite hockey players. I've been led to believe that Paterka uh, is one of Terry Pagula's you know, favorite players uh, on this team, not unlike, I believe, there was a while where he really liked Zemgus Gergensen's, uh, and that's why he hung around a, a long time with the Buffalo Sabres 
Um, the Paterka Quinn goal that made a three nothing is a thing of beauty. But standing out in this one, forty save performance by the forty one year old Craig Anderson. His first shutout since what do we have here? March twenty sixth, two thousand nineteen, which was against the Buffalo Sabers when he played for the Ottawa. Senators, as much as this is the young man's league and look at all these, you know, wet behind the ears kids, you know, with their fancy moves and their quick turns. I love that there's a place in the NHL for Craig Anderson, who goaltenders will tell you is one of, if not the best goaltender at reading the puck coming off a blade. That is some, That is one skill that he has above a lot of other netminders uh, around the NHL. And to me last night, that was, with all due respect to what we saw with the Edmonton Oilers, with all the, and we should throw in Zach Hyman's first career hat-trick in that one as well. Um, everything we saw in that Winnipeg-Vegas game, and that was a lot of fun. And we're going to get to Ovechkin in goal number 800, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. To me, that was the thing that put the biggest smile on my face last night, seeing Craig Anderson shut out the Los Angeles Kings the way that he did. I just love that there's space in this game for Craig Anderson and Buffalo Sabres. Please, please, please don't screw this up. Let's get the show started. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, so coming up at the bottom of the hour, we are going to talk to Gary Galley. Um, Gary of the NHL on Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. He's uh, part of the broadcast crew tonight. Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey. It's the Ottawa Senators facing off against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, that's the early game, by the way. Late game should be a good one, at least an interesting one tonight. Uh, the Calgary Flames facing off against the Vancouver Canucks. Also, uh, the Minnesota Wild hosts the Dylan Larkinless. Detroit Red Wings. Uh, meantime, he's back home. He's Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. He's with me now. Fried, how are you today? I'm good. How are you doing, Jeff? Uh, I am well. We got a, we got a lot of things to, to, to get into here today. I, I do want to start with, uh, I want to start with Anaheim. Like we saw them get, you know, steamrolled again last night. You know, this is, you know, the last three games, they've been outscored 16-1. to uh, yep. The wheels have really fallen off the wagon. We wonder about John Klingberg. We wonder about Kevin Shattenkirk. We wonder about John Gibson. And we wonder about Dallas Aikens as well uh, over the course of this season. You know, the one thing watching this game last night that I couldn't help thinking to myself and how the season's gone for the Anaheim Ducks, and maybe there's no question or even conversation here. Maybe there is. Man, this team misses Ryan Getzlaff. Like, you only really appreciate a player when he's gone. Man, this is a team that really, really is in a bad way without their former captain. Yeah, and I think think there's two different things we're talking about here. Number one, I don't think Ryan Getzlaff himself is going to change the direction of the season. But I think you definitely get a situation where he says, we cannot accept the way we're playing. And, you know, a little bit of it, Jeff, is, you know, if you don't have the roster, you don't have the roster. I mean, what are you going to do? And I I definitely think that when Pat Verbeek took over as general manager last year, that he, he painted a picture of, look, this is what we need to do, and it might not be pretty in the short term. But I don't think that anybody would have imagined it would look quite like this. I think they have, what, one regulation win this year? Um, it's bad. And it's bad. that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard, you know, 
like there's no way anybody can be enjoying this. Um, and, you know, when it comes to Dallas Aikens, um, you know, Verbeek did an interview on the uh, one of the team podcasts with Alexis Downey where he said, look, I committed to Dallas Aikens for this year, and that's my plan. Um, but I'm sure he's suffering like just like anybody else would because nobody wants to go through that. Yeah, this is a this is a real tough one all around for the Anaheim Ducks. And listen, there's a if you win the lottery, there's a great prize there. Even if you don't win the lottery, there's still a couple of great prizes in Adam Fantilli and and, and Leo Carlson. But still, there could be a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow if everything breaks in your direction and you end up winning the lottery. But getting there is hard. Yes, now, I don't know that we can. Getting there stinks. I, I don't know that we should. Getting there is hard. Is, is harsh, man. Like it, there's there's no two ways about it. Um, I don't know that we can read much into the Maple Leafs from a game like that where, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, maybe they didn't start the way they wanted to, but by the end, you know, second period hits and it's opened the floodgates. Um, I don't know that we can read too much into it, but if we can, what do we make of Connor Timmons a couple of games in now, three assists last night for the Maple Leafs? Well, first of all, the thing the thing I look at from the Maple Leafs is, and this is why I wonder if it, I know I've fallen into this trap before, uh, Jeff, but this is the year you wonder why they might be different simply because, you know, that can be a trap game. They have every excuse to say, ah, it's the Ducks. They're not playing very well. We can coast. And good teams win that game big. And and they win that game big. And I, I think that's all you can ask of them in that particular situation. Uh, you know, as for Timmons, um, you know, uh, now that he's got his skates done up, uh, I think that you see some of the, uh, <laughs> you, 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 you see some of what they want. Like, I always defer to you on these things. You know a lot of these guys a lot better than I do. And, you know, everything I've heard is that this is a player. Like, this is a guy who's good enough to play in the NHL. He was. Um, you know, he had, yep. he, had concu- he had concussion issues, which is a very serious thing. They've derailed many careers. And if he, like, he just needs a run. And I think that's going to be the toughest thing for him here because he's got to play. And it's going to be, there's so much on the line for this team this year. And it's going very well that there's a lot of defensemen who've shown they deserve to play. Plus, there's also defensemen who are going to be, you know, potentially coming back and being healthy and, and what have you. Um, what he needs is a run. He needs to be able to play 40 straight games so we can find out who he is. But you definitely see the promise there, Jeff. You know, the other thing, too, I just wanted to mention about the Ducks is, you know, you talked about some of the players. You know, when you're in a situation like this, I wonder what it does to your value. Like, how do other teams look at it? Do they say, okay, this player isn't making enough of a difference? Or do they say, well... The situation is bad, and we can't blame the player for it. I always wonder when it comes to that. Well, you know what I wonder about? Because uh, you know, Anaheim's going to be one of those teams that come trade deadline. You know, managers you know, look at and say, okay, can we get Shattenkirk? Can we get Klingberg? Can we get some of the obvious candidates here? What I wonder about are the players themselves. Like, How many times have you seen, you know, like, like Anaheim's out of it, like An- An- Anaheim's done. And, you know, it's December 14th, and we're saying that. And trade deadline's not until March. 
So you have a, yep. a team that's going to be playing a lot of empty calorie games. Sure, pride is one thing, and you're all professionals, but you're also human beings, and you understand the score. You know, how many times have you seen them, uh, you know, the teams make a play for a significant player on a team that's been out of the playoffs going back to late November, early December, and say he's not at the same pace that the rest of us are at because his team's been out of it, so he's playing here. We're playing well above that, and he's having a hard time hanging because he hasn't played at the same level that we've played. That's the one thing that I wonder about. And that just, that's just player to player and individual to individual, but that's always the one thing that I'm concerned around, about around trade deadline time is what are you getting? You might be getting John Klingberg, but has he been performing and playing at the level that you need for a playoff push and a playoff run? Yes, uh, I, I completely agree with you. And that's why I think it's up to the player. Like if you're a player that's on an expiring contract or you could be a rental somewhere, whether it's a, a John Klingberg or a Kevin Shattenkirk or, or anyone else, um, you know, I, that you, have to, you have to be aware of that. And it's up to the, you know, your agent to remind you, uh, anyone else you, who's close to you to remind you that every, people are going to be watching you and, I think a lot of these people would love to get traded now. There's no cap room. It's yeah. very tight. And yeah. that's why I think a lot of these trades are going to be made uh, closer to the deadline, Jeff, because it's just simply easier to do it that way. So the only thing you can do is say, I better play hard because I don't want people looking at me that way. All right. Speaking of trades, uh, yesterday, Vancouver Canucks, Bill Horvat, their captain, releasing a statement, yep. quotes, I am focused on this season and playing for the Vancouver Canucks, helping the team in any way I can. I will not have any further comments this year about my future. This was not the way it was supposed to go for Bo Horvat this season. Uh, Even going back to the offseason, this was not the way it was supposed to go. And, man, I mean, there's a lot that you can read into the fact that on December 13th, the captain has to issue a statement like that for each. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna. I'm writing today, so obviously I'll be writing a lot about this. Um, you know, I I look at it like you you know me, Jeff. I, like I I am really wary of making declarations. Like this is over because I've seen enough situations where you know. And plus, I've also been in my own share of negotiations that have gone really sideways. And you're like, screw these guys. And, you know, I'm never going to be here again. And then you calm down for a a little bit and common sense prevails, right? Now, the one thing about Bull Horvat is he's going to have options. Like, so, but anyway, I'm really careful about that kind of stuff. I think that where this has gone sideways is the public realm. Like, I think... uh, I think that Bo Horvat. Where are where are you? Where are I you? Just right now? A, where are you right I now? I just Crazy. walked by. A, a I walked by a school. Yeah, and one of the kids yelled "Go Leafs," <laughs> um, which is always good when you're talking about the Vancouver Canucks, right? I, I think yeah, the they like uh, that, BC. Uh, I I think that so the, one of the things here is that I think Horvat is a guy who believes the off season is for talking or negotiating. And the season is for playing. And yep. I, I think he understands this is a business because that's the, why he's in the situation that he's in. 
However, what I don't think he understands is his business becoming part of the public discourse. And I'm not blaming the reporter, Rick. He's doing his job. Uh, but um, I don't think he likes that this got out. And that is now the challenge, is that you have not only having trouble reaching a deal, but it's out there about what happened recently. And I think that's a big problem for Horvat. I think so you've got the business issue, which is can we find common grounds or and plus now you've got the emotional issue, which is this got out. And I think that's a tough one to manage. You know, the business is one thing. How many times do we often say, Jeff, it's a business and we've got to recognize that in all of our own lives. But I think the emotions of it are the fact it got out. That's a bigger hurdle now for the Canucks to handle. I think it's going to be a very, like I wrote last week, it's trending that he's, it's not trending in a good direction. I think now it's in a worse direction. But again, it's just my nature not to say anything's over. I think it's an enormous challenge. And the odds are certainly yeah. against it, but I refuse to say yeah. it's over. And I'm trying to pin down here, like, where we are financially. I think, I think, I don't know what, I, I can't tell you exactly yet what this offer was a couple weeks ago. But what I think mm-hmm. is that the Canucks would like to get the number around the same as Miller, which is $56 million. I think that's what they would like. I just don't know anymore, given the fact that Horvath's on pace for 59 goals, if that's going to be possible. Yeah. You know, one of the things, because I'm with you, like I, I, I don't like saying he's done. Specifically, I don't like saying anyone's done with the Vancouver Canucks. Because as one person reminded me a couple of weeks ago, and this is really sticking with me now, and who knows? Like this, this may change. They may, you know, Jim Rutherford may decide to deal him tomorrow. Um, this is an owner that doesn't let go of his stars. Like sure, Luongo, sure Ryan Kessler, but other than that, but, like, but this those, isn't but an don't owner forget Kessler. Let go of stars. Kessler asked out. Kessler asked out. No, I know, but I'm, I'm no, I, and, I get that. And like, Luongo was at the that's end too. Like, it was time for a change. Yes. Yes, that's what I, that's what I'm saying. This is not a team with this ownership group that lets go of their stars. Mm-hmm. Not like this. Like, this this would feel like a break from a precedent. Like, what, what did we all think for the last year? Oh, JT Miller is going to be traded. Boom, JT Miller signs a big contract, huge contract. Yes, I think about that like, all the time. That, that's why I'm with you on this one. I, I think that he gets moved. Like, that's what I think. But yeah. you look at the track record and you say... This isn't a team that does this. This isn't a team that trades away their stars unless there are situations like Kessler or like Roberto Luongo. All right, uh, a couple of more things. Oh, one thing I do want to mention. You have a quick thought on Randy Hahn. I mean, he's one of my favorites. Yeah. I think him and Drew are one of the best broadcast booths in the entire NHL. 2,000 games for Randy yesterday, calling 2,000 San Jose Sharks games. Do you have a, you have a thought on Randy Hahn? Uh, well, I, I'm a big fan, obviously. I think he's really funny. Um, uh, I think he's, you know, if you if you read about him, he's led a very interesting life, um, and yes. I think he calls a, a I think he calls a great game. I, uh, I I really do. I think he 
you know, I, um, uh, and I'll tell you the other thing that this is that I know when NBC had the rights, <clears throat> there would be games where, um, Randy Hahn would call late night national games featuring the sharks and, and, and someone from NBC told me this and NBC, uh, would ask him, look, I know it's like, say, the Sharks and the Kings tonight or the Sharks and the Ducks, um, and I know you're a Sharks broadcaster, but this is a national broadcast, and we need to, uh, you to play it a little bit straighter than you normally would. Right down Recognize what you do. You work for San Jose, but we need this one a little different. And the NBC guys told me that, <clears throat> uh, that opposing fans would say, that Han was very fair in those situations. And as they said to me, that didn't always happen with some of the other broadcasters. So <laughs> I always, I always kind of thought about that and like that because, yeah. you know, you're walking a tough line there. Like your fans, the Sharks fans expect that Randy Han is for them. And he delivered uh, in a bit of a different situation and I always kind of like that about him. I think he's, uh, I think he's a great broadcaster. I agree with you. I think he calls a great game. And the other thing is, he's had multiple different partners over the years, whether it was yep. Drew or Brett Hedekin or somebody else or Jamie Baker. And he always made it sound good. And that's the sign of a true pro. Yeah, he's excellent. Congratulations uh, to Randy Hahn. Now. Uh, I want to preface all of this next conversation by saying I understand this is a complicated situation. This yeah. is not like this is a potentially sticky situation, and I recognize that. Elliot, safe to say that you recognize this as well. Yeah. Um, we we understand the entire situation around this, but. Alexander Ovechkin joins the 800 goal club last night. So he joins Gordy and he joins Wayne. Um, I don't know that there's a question of if anymore. That's long gone. It's only a matter of when. Hattrick last yep. night for Alex Ovechkin. Saw him give the, the kid the stick afterwards and everything. Um, what are your feelings now? Your thoughts right now about last night, Ovechkin, the Hattrick, and the 800 goals? Uh, first of all, I'll say I, I'm fascinated watching Patrick Kane on the on the 801, charging back and making a good back check effort, and going into the boards. I'm happy he's okay. I I noticed that when it happened, and I was like, oh my goodness! Like I thought, yep. what what just happened here? But I, it was just a funny thing in the middle of all of it. Look, Jeff, like I, I understand how everybody here feels. I think there's. Uh, I think some people find it easier to separate the athletic feet from the other questions about Russia and Ukraine right now, but not everybody does. And I think everybody uh, is entitled to feel on that issue, how they feel about it. Um, um, you know, I, like I admit I'm conflicted too, to be completely honest. Um, you know, I, I went back looking through the Sportsnet online archives last night and I just remember interviewing him in 2016 at the World Cup when he was playing for Russia. And uh, he said, uh, and David Amber said, oh, you're, I, told, I told people I was interviewing Ovi. And I said, you know, anything anyone wants to hear. And David Amber said, does he think he can catch Gretzky? 
And, uh, you know, because Amber, as we all know, he was the first one at our place, at least, really yep. to get on this. Yeah. And so I asked yep. him. And, you know, I rewatched it last night, Jeff. It's 25 seconds of an exchange. And he's like, you're nuts. Like, he, sa- he actually says in it, <laughs> I'd have to score 50 goals. Because the previous year, he, he scored his 500. And he said, I'm going to have to score. And he says, that's like 50 goals a year for, for six straight years. He says, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to skate in six years. And he actually looks <laughs> off camera to whoever's standing there with a look of, can you believe this question? And... Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I think it's an incredible accomplishment. I agree with you. He's going to get there. It's, it's a matter of when, not if, that he's going to become the number one goal scorer in the, in the history of the uh, NHL. Um, but I, again, like I had people texting me this morning saying, I don't know how I feel about this. And I understand it. I absolutely do. As a sports feat, it's incredible. It really is. I never, like, I think Messier said last night, I never thought I'd see this. And I think most of us feel that way. Right. Um, Just like I thought, you know, last week, we'd never see anyone challenge Joe Malone for seven goals in a game. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) We've already had that conversation. Bring that Uh, one back. Speaking of goals, uh, Zach, listen, I'm watching. That's why the, you saw the Buffalo Sabres game last. Oh, by the way, I, I mentioned this off the top. Like, great on Craig Anderson. Um, give it up for the old guy, 41 years old, 40 save performance, yep. shuts out the Los Angeles Kings. His last shutout, interestingly enough, was against Buffalo uh, when he was a member of the of, of the Ottawa Senators. Quick thought, and we've talked a lot about Craig Anderson, but do you have a, any more spice after last night for Craig Anderson? Oh, well, I mean, I, I'm really happy for him. I mean, look at Thompson now. He's at 22 goals. Like, it's, it, it's, it's really amazing. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things you kind of wondered was, was Buffalo going to fall off the cliff there? They had a couple bad weeks in a very streaky league, Jeff. Yeah. Like, they had, a, they had yeah. a couple of bad weeks in a very streaky league, and the Sabres fans are like, this again, and, you know, where are we going here? And... You know, the hardest thing to have is staying power. And, you know, they're already seven points out. So, I mean, the odds aren't likely. But, like, the one thing that I look at with the Sabres is you look at all of the teams that are out of the playoffs right now, Buffalo is plus 12. Plus 12. There's only three teams. Because of two games. One, one, I know, one but, against Columbus and one against LA last night. <laughs> I know, but still, like it, it says something. Like it's like, do they have to learn how to win closer games? Yeah, they do. But like, the only other teams that are in the pluses are Washington at plus two, and Florida at plus four. Like everybody else is out of the playoffs is in the minuses. And yes, they well, have did, to learn to win more close games and stuff. But I think it shows you just the potential that we're dealing with here. You see, I look at all the teams that are out of the playoffs, and the one question that I always have is, okay, are there any teams here that I still really want to watch? At top of that list are the Buffalo Sabres. 
Yeah, I agree. Like you run down all the other ones, you say, eh, you know what? Maybe I can. Uh, I'll glance at this one, but I, I, I'm like whether it's Tage Thompson, whether it's Rasmus Dahlin. We've gone through that Paterka Quinn combination last night were outstanding on the on the three nothing goal. Anyhow, uh, Edmonton doubles up the Nashville Predators. Uh, Leon Draisaitl dines out on Nashville like no other yes, team. Yes, he does. With five points, McDavid with four, and Zach Hyman with his first career. NHL hat trick and this was someone who and this is the lesson for uh, a lot of kids out there who was always told he's not a good enough skater to ever play in the NHL like I don't know what this guy did in a previous life like he must have saved like a a, a school bus of children or rescued someone from a burning house or something but he's been able to play with Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid can you think of like the history of hockey who's been the luckiest hockey player to have been just like born and been able to play with two of the greats of their time, like right away, is the answer not Zach Hyman? You tr- you transition seamlessly from playing with Austin Matthews right to Connor McDavid. That guy, I don't know, man. Great karma. He must have done something amazing in a previous life for each. Yeah. How many times have you heard it's hard to play with guys like Sidney Crosby? He's he's smart. You hear it a lot, specifically yeah. specifically on the left side, right? That's like, oh, Kunitz is yeah. the only one. Kunitz and Gensel's like, yeah, you know what? I got that. You know the, what that reminds me of, uh, Jeff, is that when Nicholas Lindstrom played in Detroit, whoever played with him, yeah. they called him the second best Red Wing. Like <laughs> I, 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 right. I, 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 re- I remember when I was there once for a game. I, I went to go say hello to Ian White, who was playing for uh, Detroit at the time. And one of the other players said, you're yeah. talking to the second best Red Wing. And there's like, it's a room full of like Zetterberg and Datsuk. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? And they go, whoever plays yeah. with Lidstrom is the second best Red Wing. Second best Red Wing. Uh, hat trick for Hyman last night, and we'll end on this one. The Preds now, Elliot, at 500 yeah. after that loss I, yesterday. Yeah, yeah they, they were a surprise team last year. I think we wondered if last year would have been like this for them, and uh, it wasn't. They had a really good year. Um, you know, I, I go on, uh, I do a, a radio hit in Nashville once a week, every Thursday, and I can sense that the that it's mounting there. Uh, the frustration is really mounting. Um, there was a lot of it last year, but the team surprised and everybody kind of calmed down. But, um, you know, it, it's really interesting. Like this whole thing with Tolvin, um, you know, I, I think. Fans don't like it. Preds, Preds well, fans don't. hate it. Preds fans they hate don't. it. They don't they like it, it at all. And it's, it, it's a, it, like, I don't watch them enough. Like, I'm, I mean, I watch this. And I say, okay, like, I try to get a handle on it, and this is why it happened. We explain it on the pod. But, like, unless you're really following the Predators enough, what, what do you know? You know he hasn't played since November 19th. You know he's a really talented guy. You know they're really banged up, and they're kind of forced into a situation that they, they don't want to be in. But his analytic numbers look good. Um, you know, we'll see. But, like, you can – Jeff, you can definitely feel the frustration over it. And time will tell who's right about this. But you can see that this mm-hmm. is a fan base that is, they were kind of sated a bit last year and they were happy Forsberg signed, but they're restless. There's no yep. question that they're restless. 
they are. Um, and we got to hustle. Uh, Fridge, as always, uh, enjoy the writing. Uh, I know this is a, a packed day for you, so I hope you can find some sanity. These are late nights for you. Uh, best of luck. We will read it tomorrow when it gets published, and we will talk to you tomorrow at noon. All right. Take care, Jeff. Take care, bud. There he is. Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and, uh, and Hockey Night in Canada.